It was a bit of an exercise in frustration watching that second innings last night from the Cape Did you team. go to sleep? Mate, I did. I did. When, when, Sou- when Southie <laughs> bowled three wides to start an over, I was mm. like, if you can't be bothered, neither can I. I'm going to bed. Yeah, he, want, he wants to forget that in a hurry. Um, yeah, I, I watched it the entire match, and um, I struggled to get to sleep. Post <laughs> it. it took me a couple of hours, and I'm usually straight out. I was still awake at 12, just wondering, what went wrong? Where did it all go so wrong for the uh, for the Black Gap? Set up perfectly from some fine batting. Um, and, you know, like there was a couple of power plays out there that paid out in the first innings. They still had the second innings. I think there was a big one for eight plus sixes between a couple of the batters that paid seven bucks. And DJ Timmy got on that, so he got paid. Um, oh, Mate, it was a hell of a night for sixes and, and run mm. scoring, but the Black Caps will be ruining a missed opportunity. One that for sure got away, Rick Dog. Yep, I struggled. And I know many of you out there struggled probably to get to sleep post that. Oh, it was, I'm reading through some of the texts that were sent through to the commentary team mm. last night, uh, and this one stands <laughs> out. Uh, disgraceful. Another example of how we don't have the mental strength when we play Australia. It was, do you think there was something in that? I've always said that there's something, there's a mental edge, mental block when it comes to Australians and touched on that story yesterday when they just seem to find a way to get in our heads. Um, there has to be something. Like some of the going-ons last night, particularly from a lot of our senior players, it baffled me. You know, three, three wides in a row from, from our most experienced bowler just says a, a valid point there that there was something not quite right and when you're looking down the pitch and you're seeing a, an aggressive Australian with a smile on his face saying, bowl it wherever, son, I'm going to put you over the fence, it is daunting. But there, there has to be a case to, that says that there has to be that mental edge and mental block against Australia, Rick. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. It's, I mean, it was just when we got 215, I was like, okay, all right, the, this if if we've gone like that, there's every chance the Aussies can go like that with Warner and, and Maxwell and people like that in their in their batting lineup. But we started well. We started well. Mm. We restricted them early. Uh we frustrated Travis Head out. You know, I thought, oh, we're we're a chance here, but just took the foot off the gas, it seemed, and, and, and let them back into it. It was just ebbs and flows of, of the game, you know, like particularly I, I think we could have probably scored another fifteen runs towards uh, the end of that innings. But Australia Changed their tactics. Um, I think Pat Cummins and, and Hazelwood bowled really well and painted the picture of how you should bowl on this pitch. Slow bowling, spin bowling was always going to be difficult. Um, and I think both spinners from I think spinners from both sides really struggled. So when you got that ball in the hand in hand, Lockie Ferguson was outstanding last night. Bar his last over when he got put over the fence a couple of times. But his ability to run in and bowl fast and the right lengths, not giving the Australians any opportunity to get into good positions to open up their hips and, and get the get the willow swinging, well, I thought he was outstanding. But Pat Cummins and Hazelwood, the, the things that they did really well, and we touched on it with Harry yesterday, is their ability to change it up speed-wise, you know, a lot of good slow balls, variations from 115 out to one mid-30s, 
So they were always constantly testing uh, the New Zealand bats, batters. And Glenn Phillips and, and um, Mark Chapman at the end just weren't able to get going and probably add that extra 10 to 15 runs that would have paid dividends in the end. But, um, you know, I'd love to know the stat, Robbie. I've been trying to find it in terms of extras that uh, that we bowled. And, you know, Tim Southey struggled. And I'm I'm not going to come out here and ridicule him and and say he was absolutely poor, but he would be disappointed because you saw how good. Look, here's a question for you, Rick Dog. Like the Yorker, when it was done perfectly, was the was the option was the ball that was troubling the Australians so much. But there is fine margins because mm. if you get it wrong, it goes sailing. Over the fence. Well, he bowled one in that final over, and I thought, okay, he's going to try and go to this a couple more times. But then he just couldn't quite get it. Is that pressure? I think it must be. I mean, I think Robbie will know better than than me because I always bowl. I I bowled league spin, mate. Yeah, so I was. Mm. I never. I never. I never tried to bowl Yorkers, but. Like you say, it's fine margins, man. You've got to, mm. you know, it's easy to over pitch. It becomes a full toss, yeah. You know, or or if you get it, you otherwise you get it right in the slot. So it's, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's fine margins, fine margins. Um, so, and and when you're bowling at the speed, Lockie did. I mean, I think Lockie was far from the worst uh, player. He was our best with the ball. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, I think there was some decisions made by the captain, uh, Mitch Santner, and performances as well. Like Mitch Santner with the ball last night was probably the worst I've seen him. You know, he had a really bad yeah. day at the office with the ball. Yeah, his last over was probably his best over of the night, and he he got it relatively right, but before that, he was all over the show. I don't know if there was any dew on the ball, because some, some of the balls that were being bowled, I was thinking, wow, that's either come out and... and They've just held onto the ball too tight and pressure's building or there's a little bit of dew that has come on because they just couldn't seem to get their links right. You can see what they were trying to do, Rick Dog, is, is they were trying to get as much width on the delivery as possible. But there's a, there's a disadvantage there because if you just go a little bit too wide, you're going to bowl a lot of wide. So that's probably why we gave away so many extras is our... Our areas, our bowling plan was to not give them any room to open up their hips. So get them playing outside off, get them trying to look for that uh, that miracle ball, miracle shot across the pe- uh, crease. And um, yeah, when it worked, it worked wonders. But man, like two overs to go, I think, or eight balls to go, I think they needed 30 odd. And they chased it down, and Tim Davids came through and got the magical. And also, Rack Dog, like, uh, traditionally we're a fielding team. That's where you get a sense of where a team is at. Are they right on? Well, fielding last night was absolutely atrocious. We dropped some sitters that relieved a lot of pressure for Australia. You know, Adam Milne, I would be spitting tax if I was Adam Milne. Tim Salvey dropped a sitter. Timmy, Timmy. Had a had a moment to put the pressure on, on the Australians. He dropped them, and then the next ball, Glenn Phillips was on the boundary, and if he just caught it and stayed in, he was in. But it, you know, he tried to do the the fancy play, jumped up, went to try and catch the ball and throw it onto his mate, and didn't do the first job first, and that is just to catch the ball, and then look for the other option, poster. And I think another reason we lost is bringing in Tim Davids. 
that Inglis, I know we want to get wickets and keep yeah. building pressure, but Inglis was struggling. You know, I, I would have done everything possible to try and keep Inglis out there and uh, knowing that he was struggling. Even Marsh knew that he was struggling, so he was trying constantly to get on, on, on attack. So, yeah, look, one that... Uh, That'll haunt the Black Caps for the next couple of days. Eden so. Park couldn't come around soon. Enough. Yeah, well, I think possibly for longer. Uh, you know, mm. it's got that feeling to me that now we lose this 3 0. You know, that mm. was the chance to get on top of the Aussies, but mentally, I wonder if that is us done. A few texts that have come through. Morning, boys, was a great game. I got on the Aussies at $3.30. Well done, Mark. Well done. Uh, <laughs> Robbie had a mate of his get on at sevens, didn't you, Rob? Yeah, I did. He, he said that um, he. He uh he saw that Southy still had an over to go, and Ozzy was paying seven dollars. So I'm like, that sounds good. <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah. Well, on his form, it's fair enough. And Rob has texted through because this all got missed yesterday. I think, uh, well, by me at least. Uh, you know, with the the T20 uh, about to start, we had the Ford Trophy uh, playoff game as well. So lots going on. So I missed the uh, announcement of the test team. But Robert's texted through, he said, it's completely bloody disgraceful that Neil Wagner is in the New Zealand test team to play Australia ahead of Lockie Ferguson. He also goes on to say, you can talk it up, Izzy and Ricardo, but this will be the most competitive New Zealand will be. The T20 team was well-placed to win. Where is the New Zealand test team led by Southie bowling at 125 clicks and Wagner? It's a complete embarrassment and a disaster waiting to happen. Oh, yeah, Rob's on a bit of a heater, isn't he? He's got a valid point. Uh, the only th- reasoning I can see, Rob, and you'll probably go against it anyway, um, would be Neil Wagner is going to run in and, and give you a hundred percent effort for for a day, for a day or two. Whereas Lockie Ferguson will bowl heat and as heat as as much as possible. I think it's probably periods of spell. But don't get me wrong, Lockie Ferguson is by far, was last night in particular, our, by far our most threatening bowler. And that is someone with out-and-out pace that was disrupting um, the, uh, the Australians. So, you know, the way that he got um, uh, the big show out, Mitch uh, Maxwell, it was a hell of a ball. Just short of a length. Maxwell didn't know what to do with it. Bamboozled him. He didn't know whether to go forward, go back. And he went back and stayed on his crease. And his, uh, and his, and his wickets went flying. So... Yeah, you got a valid point, mate. you got a valid point, particularly after last night's performance. Lockie Ferguson needs to be there because he, uh, he he threatens the Australians uh, bad in the tech. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, actually, now that Rob sees that, and I think more about it, just uh, Rob mentioning, you know, that also uh, that test team included Scott Kugeline over Lockie mm-hmm. Ferguson. So they obviously don't see him as a, as a red ball option um, because, yeah, I don't think Kugeline's anywhere near it, mate, to be honest. But there we go. Uh, now let's get into this, eh? Let's get into the triple threat. Round one, five. Doc Rivers took over as a Milwaukee Bucks coach 10 games ago. His team are currently 3-7 and seven since he took over and he's been getting roasted by JJ Redick for throwing his team under the bus. This is what Reddick said. 
He said, uh, I've seen the trend. I've seen the trend for years. The trend is always making excuses. Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard, just like getting traded in the middle of the season is hard for a player. We get it. It's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lost to Memphis. Oh, it's the players' fault. Memphis were playing G League guys and two-way guys. You look at his quotes over the weekend, and now he wants to take credit for James Harden being traded to the Clippers. He wants credit for that. There's never any accountability with that guy. (laughs) <laughs> oh, JJ Reddick, man, since he's finished up playing basketball, he's come in and uh, taken a bit of a st- uh, stance in it against uh, being vocal and, and outspoken there in the media. Um, yeah, look, I think he, he's he's got a point. Like A lot of accountability needs to look within, particularly when you've got players like Damian Lillard and Giannis Otokounmpo, you know, two of the best players in the, the NBA, and you're three and seven. Um, I was reading last night and I listened to Shaq's conversation that he had with Damian Lillard. And this is what he said. I've been in a position you've been before. Kenny's been in a position before. That's in regard to Kenny on, on the panel. You and Giannis are too, being too nice. When it's all said and done, when it all don't work out, three people will get blamed. Doc, you and Giannis. So you and Giannis got to make sure the troops get it done. And in regards to that, I was looking at Giannis's stats for the last couple of weeks, and he's averaging, you know, mid-20 points. He's 23 uh, in that West game, but in the Grizz- against the Grizzlies, he got 35 points, 15 from 17 uh, from uh, field goals. So he is carrying his way, 12 assists. So, and then the game before, 23, 36, 15, 17. So 15 and 17 probably aren't enough for, for the Bucks to be successful. Mm. But he needs to start building belief and a bit of accountability in that group because the reality is Giannis can't do it on, him, on his own. You know, you look at LeBron James at the Lakers, he can't do it on, him, on his own. He needs his team to rally around him and, uh, and, and get it done. So, yes, JJ is going to go out and, and have his say, but um, it needs to come within from the group. Yeah, it does. And uh, I think J.J. Reddick's got a point. In fact, the funny thing is that J.J. Reddick, where he said this, was a new job he's just taken. And guess who he replaced? Who? Doc Rivers. (laughs) 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 The NRL have announced record profits of over 700 million Australian over the last year and and can claim to be the most watched sport in Australia with 2.1 million more viewers last season than the AFL. How much of this is on Peter Volandis? (laughs) <laughs> Probably everything, really. Um, I was reading that article and I was like, amazed at the business-minded and, and and the conversation about they nearly went under in COVID. They were so close. They were only a couple of months away from being in a horrible situation. And you compare that to Rugby Australia, who are after an $80 million loan, and this team is pumping out revenue or you know turnover of over $700 million. This has to go down to the... Um, you know, the business minds that are behind this. And Peter Volandes has been vocal, outspoken, he's been innovative. Look at them, they're going over the United States. They're already thriving in Australia, and I couldn't believe the stat that they're actually taken over from the AFL. That game is religion in Australia, and now they've, um, you know, got to the top of the pile, and now they've gone and, and made the brave move of moving into a market where if you get it right... 
the world is your oyster. Mm. This is see you later. Stay with us if you can because, um, yeah, so Peter Volandis has to take a lot of accountability, but, but a lot of these clubs too and, and the players and the way that they are being branded around not only Australia and New Zealand but around the globe. You know, like these are the biggest NRL players. When you talk about hero and your athletes, the NRL really do that well. They hero the athletes. They, they get them out there so everyone knows them. They're a part of the people. Um, so, yeah, I'm not surprised that, that NRL is in this situation. Well, it's interesting you say that, actually, because I was talking to a guy out of the UK yesterday. We had a good chat. We were talking about some, some music stuff, actually. So he's a, he works in the music industry up in the UK. Big cricket fans, got season tickets at Lords. Always been a rugby fan, not a, not a football fan. But he said to me, I can't stand watching rugby now. I've stopped watching it. I've actually started watching the NRL and I follow the South Sydney Rabbitohs because of the Burgess boys. And he said, it's such a better product. I love it. And uh, he, he's heading to Vegas. So, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a guy. He ain't the only one. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's somebody in the Northern Hemisphere. You know what I mean? Mm. He's a born and bred Englishman. So, yeah, it's interesting how it's, uh, how it's developing, isn't it? Yeah, well... We've been talking about this for the last year, you know, rugby, where, do, where does it need to go? Like, the teams, what I loved yesterday about Super Rugby is all the teams for the weekend got announced on the same day. So you're middle of the week, you're knowing who's playing for what team and, and what what's happening. So, um, man, there needs to be a lot of work. The thing with, Australia, uh, with the NRL is they've got a product that is uh, – been um, you know created over a long period of time. They've got clubs that have that wreak a lot of history. Um, you know they've got class. They've got entertainment. You know like everyone relies heavily on the product at hand, and the product in the NRL, particularly with the ball and play minutes that you see, is is by far better than any other sport. But also also entertainment. Like you go to an NRL game. I've spoken to people that have been up to the Warriors games, and they reckon, mate, it's like you're at a concert. Mm. But there's just always things going on. You know, there's laser lights. There's people in the in the crowds that are they bought some instruments. There's dances. There's there's food. There's affordable prices. Like everything just ticks the right box for money, um, the um, money value on going and watching sports products. So, mate, um. Yeah, they're absolutely flying, and rugby needs, well, we've got a mile to catch up. Round three. Now, we've already talked about Black Caps, but I, I did put this in uh, for for the uh, triple threat. The Black Caps with the ball last night. Was that pressure or too many guys having a bad night at the office? Because the Aussies were there for the taking. It wasn't like the Aussies were playing out of their skins until Tim David came in. They were there for the taking. It's pressure. Yeah, it's pressure against Australia. You know, when, when when the pressure's on, man, your brain can go to some funny places. Trust me, being there, you're like, oh my, not this again. Oh, here we go again, Australia. Are we going to let one slip again? So, so a lot of these thoughts just creep in. And when they do, you tend to do things that aren't really common with your game. And we saw that last night. Touched on it already, but Tim Sally, our most experienced bowler in that, or player in that squad, he was struggling, and he was struggling big time, you know. And that final over, I thought, oh, my, why don't we save Lockie Ferguson to bowl the last over? Or, um, you know, like I was thinking that, 
But then I was like, no, this is Tim Southey, who is our most experienced player. He knows what to do in the big time. But I was watching his face in that final over, and he knew, oh, no, here we go again. So that's pressure 